Hello, I am Roberto Baldezon for the rbaldezon.com blog and podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Go back to iTunes, subscribe, give me some feedback, some suggestions, and a couple of stars if you can. That way I can get out to more folks. Uh, the reason I'm doing this podcast is slightly different. You don't have the usual music and intro and whatnot. Is because it's going to change a little bit. I'm going to change the podcast and at least the focus a little bit. When I started, it was uh, to gain more technical knowledge as I was uh, trying to learn from other IT directors. One of the things I've realized over time is that as an IT director, I though I employ a lot of technical know-how and specialty, what I use the most are many other capacities having to do with people. And so I am more interested in getting that from my guests as far as what informs their decision-making, how they go about planning, employing, deploying systems, and, and so on in a learning community. Because many of these changes that we make are very profound, and they may be very fast. Uh, we may have a you know one year or even a summer to turn things around, and we have to be really uh, mindful of the fact that the systems do not drive the community, rather the other way around. So we have to be very tactful and very careful when we're dealing with people, particularly families, students, faculty, other admin. And I mean, there are so many layers to a learning community that we have to deal with because we're going to impact every one of them. So today, what I'm going to play for you is a bit of the pre-interview conversation that I had with Jerry Sambathy, who happens to be the IT director at the Chinese International School of Hong Kong. Uh, and we had this really great conversation pre-interview where he was asking me why it is why I'm, what, I, what it is that I'm looking for in these conversations. And I kind of had an opportunity to shape it in such a way that it gave me a little bit of clarity as to the point of this podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. It's an explanation that I myself liked and it kind of made it brought it home for me what it is I'm looking for and I'd like to make the invitation as usual for you and your colleagues that you know send me a quick note rbaldezon.com uh, is all my contact information is there you can reach me at rbaldezon at gmail.com give me some suggestions point me out to other people that I can reach out to or even yourself come on the uh, come on Skype and let's have a conversation that I can record the audio of and share it out to all our colleagues so here's my pre-interview conversation that I have with Jerry and right after it you're gonna have the conversation of the interview with Jerry I hope you enjoy it for a while I had this blog going where I was sharing you know just techie techie stuff Mm -hmm. And um, I've been at this for quite a bit as well, kind of like you, except in Latin America and Europe. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as, as, I'm, as I go to conferences or I'm called uh, to consult on this, that, the other, of course, you build your network and people are always reaching back and saying, hey, you know, I'm thinking of this. What do you think? Mm -hmm. And so I, I decided uh, just as a personal exercise to kind of start documenting what it was I was doing. Um, oh, that's cool. Because I, I uh, until this point where I'm now, I always came into a campus 
to build. It, it, was, it was about breaking down everything that they had because it, it somehow or another was not fit for that campus, and they realized that. And mm-hmm. it was about building. So it was team building, and it was uh, infrastructure building. So it was architecture of the network, all the services, and so on and so forth, and as well uh-huh. as the uh, professional development. Okay. And, and so I started uh, just putting it out there, and, and I got some responses and, and some feedback. And I was like, ah, oh, this is cool. But um, this was a couple of years back, and all of a sudden I dropped it. Um, it you know, life got in the way, and, and mm-hmm. I just dropped it. Takes so, effort, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so a couple of months back, now that we're in L.A., we're looking at, you know, my wife and I are looking at the summer. We're like, all right, what are we going to do? And one of the things I told her is, you know, I got a massive amount of work to do and we will not be able to take a vacation as usual and just kind of hang out close to home and take long weekends. But that's it. At the mm-hmm. same time, I was always itching to get back to the blog. And she's like, well, why don't you just, you know, do it for real, be a little bit more serious about it and record mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I love to interview people and I'm always doing it on video for documentaries at schools mm-hmm. and such. And she's like, you know, just just do it that way. And I, I kind of set it as a goal, I guess, a mid-year, um, a mid-year, what is that, New Year resolution? Yeah, Except yeah. this was like a, a May resolution. <laughs> I was like, well, let's see, you know, let's see that I can get this going and do it weekly. Wow. Uh, That's a big effort. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's less. Because I have great folks like you. You know, I'm, I'm reaching out to folks all the time and, and colleagues and heads of schools. Mm. Uh, mm. And they're responding back, and they're like, you know, yeah, go ahead. Uh, let's just set a time and date, and let's get together. Wow. And so I'm meeting great people, and this is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cool. So it, it's turned out to be a phenomenal experience in that sense. What I'm hoping to do is, is, is just not touch on the technical only, but mm-hmm. also focus on, on all the other leadership capacities that we have mm-hmm. to work at every single day. Mm-hmm. Because we are change agents yeah, in a sure. culture, you know, the old joke, uh, how many teachers does it take to change the light bulb? And everybody mm-hmm. screams, change. Well, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's we're like we're the ultimate oxymoron, right, uh, mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. school culture. And so what does it take to make all of that happen? And that's what I'm more interested in, quite mm-hmm. frankly, uh, yeah. because I think even even colleagues, you know, IT directors and techies don't realize that. I see a lot of guys uh, and and women. I have in my network a lot of guys and and women. Fewer women, obviously. It's this job tends to attract men. Yeah. But um, a lot of a lot of my colleagues, you know, are really struggling with issues of uh, leadership and change management. Um, the technical stuff, uh, we all get that sorted out. But it's the other softer skills that are harder to um, master absolutely um and you know and and yes i'm interested in the techie stuff i i I like to see and i like to learn uh Mm -hmm. about what other schools are doing in in ways of you know the wireless network you may have a different setup and security issues and and so on Mm -hmm. uh but my interest my passion is on that that capacity to change a culture mm-hmm. and not until recently did i realize i was right smack in the middle of that and i was doing mm-hmm. it all along uh unbeknownst to me that while i'm you know doing my job mm-hmm. i'm impacting on a community in a very mm-hmm. fundamental yeah. way 
Yeah, that's right. So that's yeah. what I'm, I'm, I'm digging at. And aside from finding out, like, how did you get to where you are? Because, uh, as you well know, there is no uh, track on any yeah. college of you know, becoming IT director, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And at schools, it's you know, it, it's relatively new when compared to the director of development, director of admissions, mm -hmm. like your your established track. Uh, you know, assistant principal, then of course you go to a certification course and you become a principal. And then of mm -hmm. course, uh, with a PhD or, or, you know, more experience, then you can vie for a, for a head of school position. Yeah. IT yeah, right. directors a, a very long time ago were just kind of fall into that position. Yeah. Uh, and we're still kind of falling into it. Uh, you, it. It's a little bit more established now, but it's still happening. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's, that's yeah, the other a good part point. of it. It's no. a good point, and there's uh, there's the training that's that's available. I I don't know how it is now because my training uh, is, is a little older, but um, the new programs that are training people up for these kinds of jobs, I I don't know if they're um, well designed to meet the needs that we are facing in the real world. Right? There are, as as you point out, it's these change management skills and that's that's a whole battery of skills um, communication skills planning project management all, all kinds of things um, and and a lot of uh, actually a lot of counseling skills are needed as well right <laughs> and um, you, you know so it, it actually comes down almost to the individual like what what are you bringing what are any one of us bringing uh, as a person um, to the job because how do you prepare somebody for the magnitude of the kinds of things we deal with sometimes? It's, uh, I find myself in situations where I'm counseling families, you know, I'm, I'm playing family therapist as well, you know, because, because my role is, is largely, um, I have a team uh, a multifaceted team, and I have people who work with the teachers as the change managers. Yes. And yeah, I'm the leader of that team, but I kind of rely on my facilitators to do their job with the teachers. And then I find myself in a role of dealing uh, at a leadership level, uh, strategic work as well as dealing with parents. So I buffer, I buffer. Uh, my my team from parents and I deal with them and so what happens you know uh, there, there are things I never anticipated when I started like I I began as a teacher a classroom teacher in Canada um, public schools and eventually found myself in a tech position um, teaching computers because I had an interest in it then I then I went on and I, I went through a master's program for ed tech like any any of us would normally do. Um, but since then, I mean, my track has is, is really been one of uh, intense on-the-job training and on-the-job learning. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's a position that when we meet other guys or girls, women, doing what we do, there's a bit of a kind of a know, a knowing, you know, like <laughs> we're, we're a bit of a community because we, we know that yes. what each other are, um, have had to go through to get to where we are. Absolutely. So there's a respect. There's an almost an immediate respect, I think. 
you know, that's what I, I'd like to bring more to the surface, uh, more so than, you know, what brand are you using? And, yeah, and yeah. What, but, like, there, there's, a, there's this whole other side to this kind of work mm -hmm. uh, that requires the same type of versatility that you need to understand and implement a phone system, you know, voice over IP system to a web filtering, backups. And, I mean, this is a whole gamut. Mm -hmm. And and you kind of sort of need the same capacities on the human side mm. to be able to impact and to be able to move that uh, that oh, yeah, program very much. forward uh, at all different levels. And if you're a pre-K to 12 school, mm -hmm. you're dealing with that age student as well as that age family, mm -hmm. uh, you know, mm -hmm. aside from the faculty, admin, and all of that. So it, mm -hmm. it, it's quite a quite a bit and and you know my respects to 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 you and and everyone who puts themselves out there in, in a big well same <laughs> yeah it reflects back to you you know it, it's oh. it's incredible and I, i've seen some great stuff and and mm -hmm. i guess when i started this i thought i was going to be doing it uh technically yeah you know sharing out techie stuff and tips and and, and it's kind of morphed away from mm -hmm. that Right. Because I'm finding that this this part one is is we discuss it less, yeah, and two we happen to be doing more of it as time yeah. moves on. Uh, because yeah. systems are becoming more simplified in the sense that you know you're not running uh, Unix or DOS six point whatever scripts and batch scripts. You know a lot of stuff is being automated. Uh, yeah. Granted, there's a lot more of it. However, yeah, right. it, it doesn't require that kind of, uh, you know, pounding against, you know, your head against the wall, but rather right. how do you implement a f platform and move yeah. forward within a community? Um, it, it's quite a tricky, it's a tricky job uh, to continue to maintain on a daily basis. Um, but it's a good one, too. It keeps you, uh, keeps you young. Okay, so that was the pre-interview conversation I had with Jerry. Uh, here is the real interview that I had with Jerry. Enjoy. Today with me, I have uh, Jerry Sambathy, who is uh, all the way out on the other side of the planet um, in Hong Kong. So uh, first off, uh, Jerry, I want to thank you for, for making an, an early morning for you over there, uh, a late afternoon for me here. And thank you so much for giving of your time for this uh, podcast. Uh, it's my pleasure, Roberto. Uh, so you have been the director of learning technology at the Chinese International School of Hong Kong for uh, for a few years now. Uh, four going on five, is that it? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I moved to Hong Kong uh, just four years ago. Okay, yep. and and you know I, I saw your your image here a few minutes ago on Skype as we were video conferencing before this conversation, and I noticed that you you may not be from China. Um, <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about your background and and how it is that you ended up uh, where you are now? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think a lot like you, Roberto. Uh, I've been around to a number of international places and uh, uh, very very happy have ended up in Asia at the end of uh, about 20 years of overseas teaching and um, being a tech leader. Um, I began my career in Canada, public school system. Uh, I taught in a couple of provinces in Canada for about 10 years before embarking on my first international assignment in Moscow, Russia. Wow. 
uh, where um, I went overseas. I had been a, uh, a middle school teacher, uh, and in Canada that meant at the time that uh, we taught everything. We were self-contained. Uh, we had no specialist teacher, so I, I taught the gamut. And then uh, uh, when, I, when I had an opportunity to go overseas um, with my young, my young family, um, we ended up uh, landing jobs in Moscow at the Anglo-American School. And um, I took a role there as a computer teacher for the primary and middle school uh, part of the school. Okay. And um, I worked there for three years, um, and then I moved on to... A, a very small school in the jungle of Borneo, um, which was owned and operated by the International School Services uh, Company, wow. the rec recruiting company. They operated, uh, I'm not sure how many they operate now, but at the time they had they'd operated about 15 schools in very remote locations. Uh, many of them were, were quite small and, and often related to um, oil or natural gas or mining companies okay. uh, that, that in places where you know international schools wouldn't spring up spontaneously the companies uh, would contract international school services to provide schooling and so I worked in two schools um, in Indonesia uh, for two-year stints in each place and both of them were in remote locations but they were Fascinating, interesting places, well-resourced. Um, I was uh, a classroom teacher as well as a computer teacher in both places. And then, um, after, so after four years in Indonesia, I ended up in Singapore at the American School there, which is a very, very large uh, American-style international school. Um, as the middle school uh, tech coordinator, and then I eventually went to the high school to do the same role, and after eight years in Singapore, uh, I took this role as uh, Director of Learning Technology here at, at the Chinese International School in Hong Kong. Okay. Um, so that's, that's my path. Uh, okay. So, you know, that, that's, that's kind of like a pretty constant progression you've been through. Uh, I imagine going into technology was more of an interest uh, on your part. Uh, after having been a classroom teacher, uh, yeah, actually, the way the way I, I came uh, it came about uh, there at the time we're talking about the early nineties. There there wasn't any real program uh, that would have led me into a job like this because these kinds of jobs didn't even exist at that time. Indeed, um, I was I was teaching uh, as I mentioned as a middle school generalist teacher and I had begun a master's degree in uh, curriculum and instruction and in the and in the program I was required to take an electives or several electives one of which I chose was a computing course I didn't have a computer at the time and I was learning as I was going I quickly bought a computer um, because I found that I I had a great interest in it and um, colleagues on my in my master's cohort at the time um, we're starting to get into the internet um, and so together we started to explore and in fact I remember quite vividly the excitement when the Netscape browser was released 
and we had a graphical interface because we had been using dial-in to the university mainframe um, terminal mode using the old Lynx browser. And when Netscape came out, it, it really blew our minds. And at the, when that happened, around that time, as I observed and I learned and I played with it, I realized that this was going to impact education in a profound way. And so that's when my interest really uh, began in pursuing computing in education. And so I took a couple of more courses and then I, I kind of fell into this job in uh, Russia, in Moscow, okay. uh, as the computer teacher with no perfect for me because real computing background but it was was it was elementary um, primary and, and early middle school and I was able to kind of grow with it and uh, you know set up a network in the school and um, develop my own style of of integration so it was a lot of fun and it was uh, a very exciting learning curve Wow um, and, and you're dating yourself a little bit there Jerry Mm, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and, and the reason I asked this is because I, I kind of also fell into it, uh, and, and I've met, you know, uh, fellow colleagues who who happened to be the person in the room who was able to take the flashing twelve o'clock off of the microwave, and, and <laughs> later on became the, the techie to go to. Right? Um, that's how it happened yeah. uh, back yeah. in the day, and. Yeah, right. uh, and and even even now, as we were talking a little bit ago, uh, even now the evolution of a of a tech director, of a director of learning technology, of IT, uh, the person who makes all decisions behind IT in a, in a school of of our sort, um, there is no straight and narrow path to follow to that position. And and you know you have folks who come from all over the place, mostly from the academic side. Um, which, which is, I think, crucial uh, in informing the decisions that are made uh, to move technology in a strategic way in a school of this type. Um, now, you know, you've been a, a tech director or, or director of learning technology at the T Chinese International School for the last four years. I'm wondering, what did you walk into? How, how was this uh how did you come to consider this position? What was it uh, like before uh, heading into the position? What was your idea of it? And what actually happened that first year? Mm, that's a very good question. Um, well, I came to this job, um, as I mentioned, after eight years at uh, this very large American school in Singapore. Um, and I had grown with that job when I first joined that organization. The school was about 2,300 students, and by the wow. time I left after eight years, it was up to around 4,000. And we had ramped up the technology, the team that I belonged to. Um, we had a tech coordinator assigned to each of the four divisions. There was a primary, intermediate, middle, and a high school uh, that operated basically as schools within the school. And they had their own admin teams and um, teaching teams and so on. And um, there was a tech coordinator assigned to each of those divisions, so I was I was one of the four. And then we had a tech team, um, a technical team uh, that was managed by a, a, a tech director who was not an educational guy. So the the four coordinators were were all teaching 
backgrounds. And then we had this technical team. And we had to work together and steer the course of uh, technology growth in the school. And so uh, in the eight years, we went from, you know, pretty basic kind of standard uh, lab setups, you know, quite minimal actually. We didn't have a lot of computers at the time okay. for the number of kids we had. I, I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you the ratio, but it was, I mean, one to maybe a hundred, you know, kids or even less. But we ended up um, in, in my in my sixth year, I guess, uh, I implemented a one-to-one -one laptop program in the high school. And we had emerged, you know, or evolved, I guess, uh, better word, to, to a point where we were at a high level of tech infusion. Um, lots and lots of gear. Um, and we were really pushing on integration um, into, into programs. We, we didn't have magnet programs uh, in the schools, so it was all a, a push-in integration model. Okay. Um, so, um, you know, having, having grown with uh, that program development in Singapore American, by the time I had completed eight years in, at, the, at that school, I was ready to take a, a new role, and so I started looking around at what kind of um, tech director jobs were open, and uh, very fortunately landed in this one. And when I was recruited for this job, um, my mandate was, I quote, to bring the school into the 21st century. <laughs> that was what my headmaster, how my headmaster. We need you to bring the school into the 21st century. It sounds and, like a mission statement there. Yeah, yeah. It was a bit, I mean, it was a bit of an overstatement because uh, the school was very well resourced, but it, it was not a mobile school. It was very much an older um, okay. lab-based model. And so we, you know, we, we did a platform change. The school had been PC. We, we moved to Apple laptops and we kitted out teachers and then we ended up kitting out uh, the primary with um, classroom sets and, and then we launched uh, a one-to-one -one program in the, in the secondary school. So we have a, a middle school, high school as a secondary and then we have a primary school which is a reception to year six. Okay. So um, in the secondary from year seven up, uh, we implemented the one-to-one -one program. That was my big, my big push. Um, and so in year one of my time here, there was a lot of work to do to, first of all, make the platform switch. This school suffered a lot of change under my leadership in the first couple of years, but um, it was kind of a necessary phase and we needed to get there quite quickly. Um, okay. So it was it was some delicate some delicate maneuvering, and um, we we were able to make the platform switch and get everybody all the teaching staff on uh, laptops and get them used to a new paradigm for data storage, um, uh, you know, collaboration and everything. Then uh, in in my second year, we launched the one to one program, and so since then we've been. Um, fine-tuning that program. We've been experimenting with other devices beyond 
beyond laptops and so on, um, and just helping teachers uh, embrace, uh, you know, different ways of doing things uh, to enhance learning. So it's it's been a a really great few years, and I think now we're we're at a phase where the last last year and probably for this next year we will keep the throttle back a little bit because okay. people need a little chance to consolidate. Uh, the other big change that came about a year ago or a little more than a year ago was we implemented Google Apps um, okay. and that has been a, a really transformative move for us. So all told, um, you know, this school has seen a lot of change and it hasn't been easy but I think we're at a point where we need to be now and um, so uh, people how, are set, settling into that. How large a school is it? Like how many students and faculty and... and so we have um, a roughly 250 teachers and we have 1400 kids. Okay. Um, last year we opened um, a year 10 program, boarding program in Hangzhou, China. See, one of the things that's unique about this school, it's, it's, Hong Kong has many international schools. Yeah. Um, but, um, it is, so you'd think that it's a crowded space for international schools and there's a lot of competition. But interestingly, the international schools have their own sort of, each of them has their own character and their own take, which would appeal to different demographics. So, um, my particular school is a dual language school, uh, uh, Mandarin and English. And so in the primary, uh, every, every classroom has an English teacher and a Chinese teacher assigned to them. And they work in collaboration. And so um, the Chinese teacher will teach uh, non-language classes like math and science in Chinese and so will the English teacher so the kids are getting a blend of both languages in all subject areas wow. and this is a really powerful thing because uh, the kids who come out of our school the kids tend to be uh, long term unlike many international schools there's very low turnover here so we it's quite common for a, a child to enter reception and graduate from year 13 here um, and stay all the way through and so by the time the kids, uh, you know, get to the upper levels, their, their Mandarin proficiency is excellent. Um, and so to augment that program, last year we implemented this year 10 boarding program up in Hangzhou where it's, it's a based, it's a very much an experiential program. So, uh, right now it's optional that kids will track through year nine and then they'll go off for year 10 and then return here for year 11 to 13. So eventually it will become mandatory and we'll phase out our year 10 here at this campus. Okay. It's kind of a unique aspect of our program. So it's, Yeah, it, it's, uh, it sounds very interesting. And, and I imagine also very challenging in, in, in that you have to provide support for this dual language in every thing that you're you're planning out and 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 you're looking at doing in the next you know three to five years or so 
Um, yeah, well, that's exactly right. Um, Chinese impacts everything that we do. Um, we have to be able to support uh, users in both languages. Um, my Chinese is very poor, okay. but you know, we we try. You know, we all try, and um, we're a community of learners. I think that's the key: is that you know, every one of us looks at ourselves as learners and not as you know necessarily teachers or leaders or you know we're all in it together and that has really helped the the change managing the change is is by by kind of couching it or or wrapping it all in all about professional learning i mean i think the key to embracing the change was to create the need right for the for the teaching faculty to understand and get their heads around the idea that there was a need for change. And so we spent time, like I, I may have made it sound like I pushed forward a whole ton of change in a year or a year and a half. Well, that is true, but it was all wrapped in uh, conversations about the future of learning, mm -hmm. which, is, which is an ongoing conversation we're having because um, at the time, the future of learning for us meant you know, um, greater tech infusion. Okay. And, and although there are some folks who, you know, dispute that and resist that, by and large, I have to say, people wrapped their heads around that concept fairly quickly. It didn't take much to convince people that, you know what, we're a little behind and there's work that we need to do to, you know, professionally to you know, get ourselves to a point where we are serving our children, our students better, knowing that, that they're facing all this stuff in their future. And if we're not providing them opportunities and uh, contexts now, that we were not doing our job to prepare them for the future that they were going to meet. So, you know, it, it, it took a while to get that philosophy kind of embedded in people. And then once we were once we had that in place, embarking on the change, we could really accelerate because we weren't fighting battles all the time about you know why are we doing this, you know. Yes. You know, it, it's uh, reminiscent of of when I stepped into acad academia in, in very haphazard, uh, accidental way. Uh, in two thousand one, I was uh, I was brought into consult at the American School Foundation in Mexico City and eventually was hired as their first tech director and it was the same type of change that I drove into that school however I was totally naive mm. and completely ignorant as to how a school functions and how community in a school functions and I think that was to my benefit back then <laughs> because I may have taken longer to implement those kinds of changes. Um, and, you know, we, we made a sweep of the place in a year where where it kind of coincided that the faculty was so frustrated they were not utilizing any technology that was already present in the classroom because mm. access was so limited, because things did not work. And they just, you know, they did whatever they could to bring in their own uh, pieces of technology or even printers mm. and, and so on and so forth. And it's kind of like what you're talking about where people were ready for that kind of change. So it's it's less of, 
you know, forcing your way through change, but rather leading that change because people know it's necessary. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's quite a feat to do that sort of transformation in such little time. So I'm wondering, um, what does your team look like? Uh, what, is, what, is, what resources are you pulling from there in the school? Yeah. Um, well, I have a team of four tech facilitators who are uh, teachers. They all came out of uh, teaching roles. Um, two of them, so, so, so there's two assigned, we're, we have two divisions in our school. We have a primary school and a secondary school, I think, as I mentioned. Yes. And so there are two um, facilitators assigned to each of the two divisions. Now, um, I have on each of those, there's one fairly techie person, and then the other person on each team, on each uh, of each partnership, um, is a classroom teacher who I hired out of the classroom and had, they had no uh, technical training or background really, they just had an interest in it. Fantastic. And so they, um, they lead from, you know, from the from the group, you know, they're, they are, they relate to the classroom teachers very well. And so I think that was an important move to have personalities. So basically what I was looking for was the right personalities. Um, so I've got four very dynamic, intelligent, um, great team players, um, great thinkers, and they're skilled as teachers. So that, that, that was key. So that's my that's my educational side. Then then I've got a tech team. Um, I have a, a director of operations who, who looks after all the nitty gritty details and planning around infrastructure and technical support. Um, under him, I've got uh, two engineers, um, network engineers, uh, a database uh, wizard, and then I've got three frontline technicians and um, and then a help desk guy okay. uh, who is uh, basically sits and serves um, we we shifted from a from the old um, house call kind of system where my techs would go out to classrooms to solve teacher problems we shifted and this was a big paradigm shift we shifted to a self-help culture where we we really promoted teachers to try and figure out problems best they could on their own using resources that we provided or steered them to okay. and and to spend no more than 10 minutes on that but to give it a shot and then if they needed help then come down to the tech help desk rather than have a technician come to you. Um, this was an important strategic move because I really felt like um, and I still believe it that if if you don't take ownership of your own learning, okay, as a teacher, you have to invest. Every teacher has to invest in their own learning. And that means technology, whether they like it or not, because it's here to stay and it's an important part of the world that we live in as well as the world that the kids live in. And so teachers have had to ramp up their own technical knowledge. And you know, they don't like that. Some of them don't like it. They have no interest in it. But there are sort of minimal competencies, let's say, that everybody needs to have. Like, how do you troubleshoot a printing problem? Or how do you, you know, how do you troubleshoot a networking problem? Whatever. So we, we have 
we have made that kind of shift to this self-help culture. And that has been um, that has been an excellent shift, actually, because I think that ultimately it has empowered a lot of people. And uh, I I like to give a lot of rope, you know, so I, I really want people to learn and grow. I don't want to keep them in the dark. And, you know, I, we never take the attitude that we're the master's we'll we'll look after it you know you just sit back we're, we'll look after it you know no way we don't we never take that attitude so um very collaborative approach um you know a, a mind shift that the tech team had to go through a little bit when i came here was kind of a classical tech problem you know um where uh the keepers of the knowledge don't want to let it out so much. Indeed. Um, yes. And and, and so um, we we had to shift the uh, the culture a little bit from to a much more service based mentality. We are here to serve the teachers and the kids and the parents. Um, so, so Jerry, you walk into this uh, community where where. One, you have a, a tech infrastructure and a tech team who is uh, accustomed to doing things uh, the more traditional way, uh, where you know one has control and, and one keeps all the keys and and you have to come uh, to me for for your problems to begin to be resolved, and and to top it off, you have a community of, of you know faculty and leaders and and staff and administrators who who are very, uh, if they are like 99% of other schools that I visited, they're not the first people to greet you with a great smile saying, hey, you bring change and I'm glad you're here. <laughs> uh, quite the contrary. Um, yeah, so very perceptive, Roberto. <laughs> what steps do you take to address those two, particularly looking at what the, the challenge is and what is the mandate to turn this school around pretty much and and decisions have to be made and things need to begin to move rather quickly um, so there's there's a few luxuries that you have uh, or rather that you do not have that you know one may take when when I'm walking into a new tech director position for instance I may take a little bit of extra time to listen more and to see more and to absorb more before I begin to impact change. But here, you had to do it uh, quick. Um, so how did you prepare yourself, and how do you address and, and kind of step forward? Uh, what do you feel are your biggest, uh, the, the greatest uh, steps that you took that led you to be successful and, and to where you are now? Yeah, um, well, very perceptive of you to pick up on that. Um, I think that uh you know the the human skills the soft skills are the most important things like my technical knowledge is adequate but it's not superb um i rely very heavily on my uh operations director to to kind of manage the the nitty gritty of the network and all the technical stuff you know i am i'm well versed in it I keep an eye on it, but I give him freedom, and we work very collaboratively. So, the the thing the thing that I guess I had to go through was um, I took a I took about six months to kind of sit back, 
observe and just work on conversations. So, you know, I created a um, an advisory group um, of teachers and department leaders uh, that represented all the departments, and we would meet regularly to have conversations and to read articles and um, just try and get heads wrapped around philosophically where were we, where did we need to be, and how should we get there. And so it wasn't a unilateral decision of mine that we were going to flip to Apple or that we were going to go mobile or anything. That was a collaborative decision with the, uh, the advisory group. It took some nudging for sure. Um, and some finessing, but you know, um, I had to work with what was all the culture that was already here, and not just come in swinging a sledgehammer and, and breaking down barriers and stuff. I, I had to acknowledge the barriers and learn why those barriers were in place, and then figure out okay, how do we get around them, or how do we break them down, or who is in the way, and why. Um, in, you know, of, of any of the kind of changes that needed to happen. Um, and to be fair, to be honest, I guess, um, and not 100% of the people didn't go for all the changes, right? They, they weren't behind it. But we had a critical mass uh, majority that could get behind it. And so I then relied on leadership within departments. So based on the membership from the tech advisory group, those members led out in their departments and, and seeded conversations and helped convince their colleagues within their departments. Because, you know, I, I came in as an outsider, obviously um, entrenched teachers weren't going to respect or listen to what I had to say as an outsider, but they would respect a colleague who you know, was finding success with technology infusion in their own teaching, you know. And so you, I just began to leverage those people and, and um, use them. And, and I didn't use them per se. That sounds bad. But, but together we formulated strategies around that. And, and so, you know, it, it was all about relationship building, all about listening to what was going on, all about helping have conversations around where do we need to be. Because any teacher who, who you know, is in the thick of things with their kids, they, they tend, we tend to, when you're a teacher, you do, you're working in one-year slots. You're not thinking five years out or 10 years out about where you need to be because you have the matter of these kids in front of you at hand and the curriculum that you're uh, mandated to teach. But in our roles, Roberto, we're always thinking five, 10 years out. We're always planning about down the future. And so there's this linkage, these linkages that have to be made for teachers. They have to be made to see that their work is long-lasting and, and it has to shape itself into the future um, differently than how they've arrived where they are now. And that, that's a little bit tougher because, you know, they're not living in that kind of mental philosophical space. So um, 
but you know, you, you just kind of made me, and I'm a, I'm a visual learner, and you just gave me this, this great tool that I know I'm going to use. And it, it's one to visually bring the teacher to that realization. Because I think, just like us, uh, a lot of times we kind of get lost in, in, in the stress of putting out fires and dealing with the immediate, that we don't realize uh, what the grand uh, picture is. And I'm, I, I would be willing to bet that a lot of teachers out there do not realize and do not see that what you just spoke about, that timeline of when they, they first meet and, and begin to work with a group of or an individual student and what, that, what their impact is on the development and the outcome of that student. Later on, it could be months, years, whatever the process is in a given school, but what their contribution and their impact was on what a student is, you know, at a given time. And I think uh, to represent our work in that way uh, would bring at least faculty to, to a clearer understanding of what it is we're looking at when we're thinking, you know, we're going to revamp the, the printing platform on a campus or, or you know, the, the big heavy... Uh, lifting items or uh, the big budget line items that we really have to think about not just in, in the immediacy of it but how is this going to impact my work in three to five years yeah yeah and you know I think one way to help teachers do that is is to put it in the context of the kids the kids that they're teaching now if they look at okay what's their graduation year so for example our our incoming year sevens who are just joining our secondary school from primary, um, they they join a one-to-one laptop program at that in that year. So our new intake of year sevens have to uh, their parents have to get them laptops, and uh, it's the first time that they will be dragging laptops back and forth uh, from home to school. Um, and managing them, you know, on their own 24-7. Those kids in year seven, they don't graduate for another seven years from high school. And then they go on to university, uh, assuming they'll go on to university. Yes. And pretty much 100% of our kids do that. So um, that's another four years, minimal. Uh, for many of them, it's... It will be, by that time, it will be a lot more than four years of university. So we're looking at 11 plus years before the kids that are, you know, in the, sitting in the chairs, find desks, you know, in two weeks' time. It's more than 11 years before those kids are actually out in the workforce. And so I'm always trying to get teachers, think about what they need in, you know, 11 plus years we we won't we can't know per se but we can say that you know some of the traditional styles of teaching are not serving them 11 years out yeah we know that and so having conversations with teachers around that kind of thinking helps break them out of the mode of well all i got to worry about is right now this year this month my next week of lesson plans or whatever and help them think a lot more long term that what they're doing 
has this lasting impact and is is integral to this child's life, you know, in the future. So, you know, because all teachers are contacted by alumni who love them. Absolutely. And, you know, when they, when they link up, the kid in the seat in front of them today is going to be an alumni that will be relying on memories of them <laughs> down the road. It, it helps teachers get their heads wrapped around this future planning and this future thinking and uh, helps facilitate conversations around that. You know, um, so this is this is fantastic because I'm I'm picking up a lot from you and how how you deal with uh, with the people factor, which is the one that one it takes way more time uh, to 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 change someone than it does to change a system, uh, mm. and two and it takes way more caffeine, of course, um, <laughs> and you know it, it's. It's it's a it's an effort uh, in in many ways. So you know, aside from from these efforts that you put in and consistently and and always touching base and of course singing the same song all the time whenever you meet with the various groups, uh, who else do you do you take uh, into your extended team to help you with this effort at a school? And by that I mean you know I used to say all the time. Uh, the first person I, I want to seek out when I step into a new campus is the director of curriculum or the, you know, the studies director or, or whatever title mm -hmm. they may have is mm -hmm. the person who is in charge of curriculum because I'm, I'm going to deliver a very techie message mm -hmm. to a, a very non-techie audience. And mm -hmm. a lot of the times I don't want to be the one to deliver it. I, I'd like to be the head of curriculum to deliver that message. And for yeah. that person to know it, I have to partner with them. So who else yeah. are you partnering with uh, throughout the school? Yeah, well, that's, that's a great, uh, a great uh, point you make. Um, certainly, one of, the, one of the first things I did here was um, a lie with the... You see, we're a we're an IBO school, okay. um, so we run the middle years program and the diploma program in our secondary school. In our primary school, we don't run the PYP, but um, uh, but that's okay. So so f we have a middle years uh, coordinator and an IB a DP coordinator. So both of those individuals became part of the advisory group and. Um, we consult regularly on curriculum issues. The primary has a, a team of learning leaders who are basically curriculum uh, subject area specialists. And they work, um, the leadership structure in the primary is, is quite flat. There's a, a principal or a head and then a, a group of learning leaders. So there isn't a deputy principal per se or okay. a, in any any role like that, rather there there are learning leaders. One of them is admin services, so he kind of plays the role of a deputy uh, principal. So he deals with disciplinary issues and stuff like that, more okay. more uh, logistical stuff. But the rest of the of the team of learning leaders are curriculum specialists. So. Um, my facilitators and I, we work with those people uh, extensively to ensure that um, technology is playing a supportive role. 
and and I don't take the point of view that you know we got to have technology for the sake of technology because you know we've got the gear. No, we always look at the learning. What are the learning outcomes? Are those the right learning outcomes? And if so, how can technology support or enhance those? And if they can't, if there are traditional ways that work better, then go with the go with the traditional way. So uh, it's 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 all about you know all of our decisions are about learning and not at all about technology by itself you know it's only about how it can enhance the learning Absolutely. so aside from the curriculum leaders of course the leadership team which is comprised of our headmaster our deputy headmaster and then the two school heads or principals as you know we'd call them in North America mm-hmm. um, those people are key actually uh, key allies of mine we we form a senior leadership team um, and we meet weekly and conversations are always uh, inv- I'm always involving them in helping to to lead out on things so it's not me sticking my head out there as tech leader but rather the leadership as you have stated Very is cool. coming from the relevant leadership position whether it be a curriculum leader or you know the school head or the you know uh, the overall headmaster sometimes I've had to leverage him into the uh, into the mix to to help you know uh, with a message or or with helping to lead out on things because of perception. Absolutely. So yeah, it's it's about alliances, right? And but and in every single because we're way, all a team. Yes. Yeah, we're we're a team. We're not we're not working in opposition to each other. So uh, we have to look at look at it as team. Certainly. Uh, you know, Jerry, I, I know your time is limited, and I don't want to I don't want to keep you from from uh, other things that you have to do today. And I would like to uh, be able to touch base with you later on, and perhaps do another interview because I love I love the kind of change that you've implemented in, and the kind of uh, impact you've had on this community in such a short time. And of course, we spoke of your very early efforts, and, and there is a lot more going on, of course. Uh, however, uh, before I let you go this time around, uh, is there anything that you would like uh, uh, to discuss that I haven't asked you? Uh, a question you may have wanted to hear uh, before we, we disconnect here. Uh, no, Roberto, we've covered a lot of ground. I'm, what we haven't talked about is uh, a little bit more technical discussion about, you know, what does the future look like for devices in schools and in kids hands I think that's an interesting uh, conversation as well because that is impacting learning just as much and I'm talking about uh, laptops iPads uh, iPods you know cell phones um, etc and uh, it's a bit more of a technical discussion however it, it is driving learning and we're really seeing it because we're just implementing about 650 iPads in our primary and um, it's it's an exciting thing because the teachers have really embraced it we haven't shoved that one that has that has come from teacher initiative but the the impact that that is having on us uh, is quite profound actually I think in watching it happen um, the shift from you know file-based learning to 
much more cloud-based learning and how that's being embraced or not embraced by the community, the parents, the whole, you know, that whole uh, dynamic in our communities. I know it's impacting you and and all of us in in roles like this all over the planet. Uh, so that's that that will be an interesting conversation for us to visit in the future if you have an interest in that. Absolutely. I think, you know, there there is so much that um it used to be that that we as as and I'll just generalize here as IT leaders in a school were the ones coming in and and sort of dictating what that road was going to be looking like and and kind of making very techy decisions back then uh, because the the you know the the student body and the faculty body were were less involved and the tables have turned and now it's it's you know it's coming directly from the students who are transforming the way a teacher yeah. may see uh, her, you know, his or her job in, in a classroom who is then right. coming to you uh, with or without a cup of coffee and saying, hey, you know, this is going on in my classroom and I need to yeah. adapt here. How can you help me? Yeah, uh, exactly right. I think it's a fantastic conversation to, to be had, absolutely. And and mm. I would love to uh, to touch base on that later on in the year once you get your, your year going there uh, that we sure. may have a conversation in the fall perhaps. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. I'd love to visit again, Roberto. Jerry, uh, you have been a gentleman. Thank you so much uh, for <laughs> for making yourself available. This this is fantastic input. Uh, I can only I can only imagine what it is like uh, to walk on your campus and 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 kind of see all the activity going on, and, and of course to see you operate. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, for, well, you're for, you're very flattering, Roberto. Thank you for your time and uh, for your interest and for listening. It's, no, been, uh, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. We are going to do this again. <laughs> okay, you bet, mate. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did, and certainly I learned a lot uh, from Jerry and, and you know how this conversation kind of shifts a little bit the focus of this podcast. I uh, hope you're with me and that you like where I'm taking this. And again, uh, colleagues and yourself, if you're up to a conversation with me, by all means, rbaldezon at gmail.com or go to the rbaldezon.com blog and reach out to me. I'd love to hear your suggestions and I'd love to be able to speak with you or uh, your colleagues. Send people over and let's make this party. Thank you so much for listening.